we're going to continue in the 23rd Psalm. And uh, we've just been going through uh, verse by verse. And uh, this morning we're on verse 3. And ab- about two and a half years ago, I think it is now, uh, Lisa and I were invited to a wedding. And I don't know if every couple dynamic, uh, if this is the same in every couple, where one views time as literal. So if I were to say, and again, I'm not going to even hint at who in our family views time as literal and who views it as just an idea, abstract idea. (laughs) But one of the couple will typically, a minute is 60 seconds. Like that's how long a minute is. And then the other half of the couple is a minute is just an amount of time that varies. (laughs) So in our household, one of us might say, I'll be there in two minutes, meaning in 120 seconds. The other one might say, I'll be there in two minutes, meaning, yeah, in a little while, I'll get there when I get there. And it'll be about two minutes. Who really looks at exactly how long it is? Usually the other part. So I don't know if you've ever had this in in your marriage. Maybe your marriage is perfect and you didn't have this. But this is a dynamic in our marriage. If I, she just said, get over it. (laughs) There's also another dynamic in our marriage. (laughs) Right? Yeah. One where I do what I'm told. So there we go. I am over it. Okay. The other dynamic is when it comes down to directions, and I, I can certainly admit that I, my wife is way better with directions than I am. I like to have the directions printed up and in my hand prior to leaving the home. Whereas my wife, she kind of goes by feel. The difference is she actually makes it there. And I, and I usually struggle. Well, uh, about two and a half years ago, we were invited to this wedding. And... Um, I, I had a new iPhone, and so I wanted to try out its GPS uh, technology. So I want to show you the map of how you get to this wedding. So that's the 15 down there, and you just go up the 15, it's, and when you get to North Riverside Avenue, you head up, and there's just this kind of highway that goes up, and that's where the wedding is, right there. Now, I didn't look this up before because I had an iPhone, which gives you a route. But you have to get the route prior to your turn or it will recalculate the route. And I want to show you the route we took. Now, this is no lie. This was our route. Okay. That X there was uh, where the wedding actually was. Okay. Uh, So go back to the one before. That's correct. Incorrect. Okay. Now, go ahead to the next picture. This picture is a topographical uh, image of it. Uh, So you know that those, I wasn't just driving erratically. That was the road that was in this mountainous region. Okay, next picture. That was my car. This picture doesn't even come close to doing justice of what this road did to my car. 
we had this, I mean, first of all, it was just caked in dirt. And, and the front tire went, as you drove. Something was stuck in there. Now, this next picture, you're not going to believe me, okay? This is the actual road. Go ahead. Okay. Now, no, I know. You're saying, I'm fairly certain that was a 2000 Nissan Altima. You're correct. We took it on that road. Okay, why? Because I'm an idiot. And my iPhone said, just keep going. My lovely wife, at many times during the route, said, let's turn around. Now, to my defense, there were many parts where we could not turn around because literally the road was wide enough for our car and then there was a sheer drop on the side. Am I exaggerating any of this? I am not exaggerating any of it. So go to the, go to the next picture. Because this is very important, and uh, if we're good, we'll actually get into the scriptures. Um, Okay, so anytime you get lost, and anytime you're on the wrong path, you're lost at a certain point in time, which is different from the point in time that you realize you're lost. And the closer you realize you're lost to the actual time you're lost, the better off you are. Okay? You're like going, right? Okay? That's why it's important. So, if you were to look at this thing, good night. Uh, If if you were to look at uh, this road, there's the road and there's the X it's supposed to be on. I was lost here. Okay? I had passed the exit. Okay? that's lost, not lost, lost. It happens in an instant. And, and when I drive, it happens even faster. Um, Not lost, lost. Now, where I realized I was lost was right there. (laughs) On that hairpin turn, going around, going, I don't think... And Lisa's like, you're right, you don't. (laughs) And and so had I known here what I knew there, we would have made it to the wedding probably on time. In fact, uh, I think we were there for cake. and, uh, And that was it. The Ellis's went to that wedding too. They were late too, but I don't know why. Um, Here's the thing. Your path determines your destination. Your path determines your destination. I want to read just a couple of scriptures. I I jumped around on Jean Vier, sorry, but Psalm 23.3 says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These paths lead somewhere. They're not abstract ideas. They're not, oh, we'll get there when we get there. God has designed a righteous path for your life. And it leads somewhere. Proverbs 3, 6 kind of expounds on this a a little ways. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, in all your ways, say, is this the right path? And he will make your path straight. Your path determines your destination. 
But see, we, we don't think in terms of paths. We think in terms of decisions just being made in an isolated environment. And so, but God, if, if we could step back and see the path the way God sees it, kind of like that satellite view that we saw, that, that view from up at the top, if you had given me both maps, I'm fairly certain I could have picked the right one, <laughs> right? But we don't see in terms of a satellite view. Only God does. And God wants to guide you in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now think about that. Almighty God, the one who stands back, who sees it all, who knows exactly where your path is going to lead. He's the one that wants to sit back and say, you're on the wrong path. Turn around. Make a left. Don't go that way. And yet we just move on and on and on because for some reason, something is telling us, just keep going. It'll be okay. If it's your iPhone, you have to take it back, right? And so we look at decisions and we say, you know, in relationships, I'm just going to go on one date. That's not a date. It's a path. You're heading down a path. I'm just going to make this one purchase. It's not a purchase. It's a path. I'm just going to do this to relax. That's all. It's not a substance. It's a path. And oftentimes, we can look at other people's paths and sit back and go, man, that's the wrong way to go. Because we're not the ones on it. When we're on a path, we're just thinking, what's around the next corner? And God wants to guide us in these paths of righteousness for his namesake. How you approach stress management is a path. How you think about how you're going to pick a church, that's a path. How you think about leaving a church, it's a path. All these decisions are a path. Once you start heading down, leads to a destination. I want to read a section of scripture in Jeremiah, just kind of set up what's going on. Jeremiah was a prophet, was a good friend of mine. No, I say that every time we say Jeremiah, I can't help it. It's just, (laughs) you know, just live with it. It's uh, unfortunate. Um, But he was a prophet, and basically what was happening was Israel was heading down a path, okay? And God was trying to get their attention, and, and, and what happens, and what happened to Israel, and what happens in our own lives, is we want God to guide us down our path. But he's not going to do that. We want to choose a path and then have him navigate around all the pitfalls. But God, like any loving father, isn't going to allow us to end up where that path ends up. Because path, your path determines your destination. So even if he navigates you through all the pitfalls and you don't fall over the side and all that kind of stuff, you're still going to end up lost. You're still going to end up in pain. God guides us through paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In all our ways, when we acknowledge him, he makes those paths straight because they're his. So this is what was happening to Israel. Israel was neglecting God. It was following after idols. It was worshiping uh, 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 idols. And um, it was also neglecting the poor. 
And those two things, idol worship and neglecting the poor, are two things throughout the entire scripture that makes God angry. And so what God was trying to do to Israel was say, look, guys, if you continue down this path, if you continue to live like this, there is going to be destruction. And like I said before, God doesn't navigate us down the wrong path. The only instruction he gives is get off that path. Some of us are on a path right now. We know exactly the area that God's dealing with us. And we're like, oh, God. And we think, if I just slow down, if I just take it easy, everything will be okay. But ending in destruction later rather than earlier doesn't help you one bit. And the only thing God's saying is, get off the path. So that's what happens with Israel. And here's what God says to the nation of Israel. And this is going to apply to us in a second. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. In other words, don't just keep going. When you get to a decision, every decision we make, when we get to that decision, we look up and we go, is this the right path? Is this the right purchase? Is this the right person that that I'm supposed to date? Is this the right house I'm supposed to buy? Church I'm supposed to belong to? Is this, God, help me. See, stand at the crossroads and look. And he goes on, watch. And ask for the ancient paths. That just merely means identify with the fact that we're part of a long history of human beings related to God. And there are some people who've picked the right path. Ask them about that. How, where was that path? How did you do it? The scripture is filled with ancient paths on how to do marriage, how to do friendships, how to do church, how to do finances. It says, stand at the crossroads at that decision. Should I date this person? Should I buy this thing? Should I say this thing? We talk a lot about the scripture that says, God, set a guard over the door of my lips. Should I actually say that? You are at a crossroads with your speech that you can head down the wrong path. It says, ask for the ancient ways. Ask where the good way is. And then here's the most important thing. And walk in it. See, the idiot, like myself, gets on the path and just keeps going. There's a scripture that we're going to see in a little bit that rephrases this without using the term idiot. Uh, and, and just keeps going, not asking, not doing anything, just one step at a time. I can navigate it. I can do it. I don't need to hear from anybody. And God is saying, you are on the wrong path. He says, stand at the crossroads, right at that decision. Ask where the ancient way is. Ask where the good way is. And then walk in that way. And guess where God is going to meet you? At that first step of walking in a path of righteousness. For his name's sake. Now, the tragedy of this section of scripture is it shows what the destination is of the righteous path. It says, and you will find rest for your souls. God throughout scripture has given us these different paths and said destruction, 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 destruction. And we think, well, you know what? I'm pretty smart. And I think I can, I think I can navigate my way around there. And God, with the satellite view, goes, navigate your way around what? It leads to destruction. Your path determines your destination. And he says, if you go down my way, 
If you do marriage the way I say to do it, husbands, if you lay down your life for your spouse, wives, if you submit to your husband, ooh, what creepy, right? If you do, if you do church the way, if we love each other the way God has told us to love each other, we find rest for our souls. And the tragedy, the tragedy is the next sentence that's in this verse. It says, but you said, we will not walk in it. No. And Israel did not walk in it. And guess what? Israel saw destruction. God had warned them. God had said it over and over again. God said, that's not the path. This is where you're going. This is what you're doing. Get off that path. Get off that path. Get off that path. It was, oh, it feels good. This is great. Don't worry about, oh, God doesn't know. I haven't been in trouble for a long time. It feels fine. It feels fine. And then, wham, destruction. God knew it the whole time. And what he really wanted was rest for our souls. And Israel said, now, we're going to do it our own way. I have a verse that we can kind of mem- we can memorize it if we want. It's very short, and um, it says it's Proverbs twenty two three. It says a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple some of your versions might say the naive. A few of your versions might actually say the stupid, but we don't say the s word in our house. No, I'm kidding. Okay, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. I can navigate this relationship. I can just, hey, it's one date, it's two dates, things went totally great, we didn't do anything, everything's fine, I can, I got this. I'm just gonna keep going. I'm just gonna keep moving. My finances, it's just a small purchase, a small purchase, a small purchase, a small purchase, a small purchase. I just keep going, keep going, keep going, suffer for it. I'm just going to tell this one story about this person. And then it starts and the, the, the gossip starts and it's just one little thing. It's not a story. It's a path. The wise, the prudent, see harm and they take refuge. They do something about it. That's why wise people look kind of prudish and out of it and kind of like, well, you know, boring, Right? It's why, because why? They live as though then is now. And so that's why if you're a youth here, most of our youth are at winter camp. They just think adults are boring and they don't know what they're talking about and all this kind of stuff because they can't see. They don't li- they live as though now is now. But adults go, oh man, why? Because it's so easy to see the path in someone else's life. Oh, of course their kids turned out that way. You know, one of the things we've done is we, you know, right? It's just this whole thing. You can see it in others, but why can't we see it in ourselves? It's because God is speaking to our hearts and we are saying, I will not walk in there. The wise see danger and they take refuge. The naive, the simple, they continue just to walk in it and suffer harm. I uh, love the fact that it says take refuge because the Bible makes it really clear that God is our refuge. And so what it means to me is that when there's danger, when you begin to see something in your life where you're like, man, I don't know about that, we can just go right to God and say, God, because these decisions are hard. 
right? You find somebody you like, they're cute, you're cute. You know, it might not be the best thing, but, and what, what's the fear? If I let her go, I might not ever find someone like her again. This might be my only chance. The prudent see danger and go, you know what though? I don't think it's right. God, will you help me? I need strength in this. I need wisdom in this. Would you guide me in a path of righteousness? The, the, the foolish start to see their finances get out of control. And the, the reason I talk about finances and relationships so much is because that's pretty much the core of life, right? It's like relationships and money. Uh, and, and, and the minute that those, that those finances start to get out of control, the, the foolish just goes, well, I already have $100 on my credit card. I mean, what's 125 really? And they just keep going and going and going and going and going. And the person with $20,000 of consumer debt could track it all the way back to that first purchase because it wasn't a purchase. It was a path that they chose to get on. And they just kept going. And so we take refuge in God and we go, God, look, I really want this thing or I really want this person or I really want to say that because I feel if I don't say it, I'm not going to get what's coming to me. And so if I don't put her down or put him down, they might get the raise, they might get the position and then where am I going to be? I don't know, but you know there's something in your heart that says I shouldn't go down that path. You're just about to open your mouth and God, we take refuge. God, I'm going to be faithful to you. You're going to have to work it out. You're going to have to work out my raise. You're going to have to work out my promotion because I don't want to start going down this path because once I start and that gossip starts, there's no end to it. In relationships, you know, a husband and a wife. I mean, the desire when you stood, some of you right here, you know, faced each other. The desire was that, I mean, it was just going to be awesome relationship and they weren't going to argue. And that was for all those other couples. And you were going to that and there's going to be all sorts of great events. And it was just going to go on forever, right? It was awesome. And then there starts to get a little tweak and things don't start going real well and so you start to isolate and separate and you just keep going and God's like man if you would just humble yourself husband if you would just stop that wife if you would just whatever the deal is if you guys would just get together and just say hey I'm not going down this path God says great the prudent the wise see danger ahead and they take refuge the, the simple, the naive, they just keep going. I'm too tired. It's too much work. She never listens to me anyway. Whatever. And destruction. <laughs> what, what, what's your path? Where are you? Where are you in, in, in relation to where you want to be right now? I've been thinking about this all, all during the week. You know, I, I come into Sunday morning having processed this in my own mind. But, but like on Monday when it just kind of hit me that, man, that this is, this is what I wanted to preach on. I just began to put that template up against my own life. And I began to see all these different paths, little paths, paths that if you said to me, uh, well, what are you worried about? If I told you, you'd go, What? That's no big deal. Some of them you'd go, oh my gosh, he can't even be a pastor. No, uh, but it, it, it's just, 
that's what I'm saying, that some of these paths, you go, well, you know what? I think I want to change this part of my, my routine because it might end up too far down the road. It's a path. Is there an area like that for you? Is there an area in business or at school, in relationships, in money, in maybe gossip, in dissension, in bitterness, unforgiveness, something where it's not that big of a deal. It's just a funny story. It's just a thing. I got to look out for myself, something at work. Or maybe there's a conviction you have about being a truth teller. And this thing's come up at work. And it's like, man, I didn't get that report done. And I know they're going to ask me if I got it done. It's not a lie. It's a path. It's saying, you know what? My integrity, my character, I'm just going to go down this path for a while. God wants to talk to us about that. I want to read this other section of scripture that um, uh, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it ends with a really famous section of scripture, a really famous verse. But I wanted to see what leads up to this because it's, uh, it's really neat. Um, Paul's writing to this church in Corinth. It's his first letter to them. And um, he says in, in chapter 10, we're not going to put all the verses on the wall behind me. We'll just hit a few of the key ones. He says in verse 10, I mean, chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, I, I, I want to explain something to you. I, I want you to get this in your head. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Watch. I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. You're like, what does that mean? Let, let, me, let me just kind of tee up what's happening. Paul's going to start describing these people that knew God, and they knew God in a miraculous way. They were under the cloud. Basically what happened is when they were going through the uh, desert, when they left Egypt, God was visible in a cloud above them by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, can you imagine, you're with a group of people, let's just say it's our church, here we are, and God's a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. How would your faith be rocked by that? Let me ask you another question. How would your faith be rocked if I said, hey, we're all going to go over to the school over there, and we walked across this Red Sea, and it parted for us, and we went through taking pictures of each other, you know, standing up against the water, you know, all this kind of stuff. That I, we actually experienced it. Like your Christmas card that you sent out to everybody was you and your family and this giant wall of water. And that was it. I mean, you experienced it, right? This is what he's saying. For I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses. In other words, this beca- this, these events sealed their faith in God in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. God provided manna for them every single day. They all drank from the spiritual drink. God created water out of a rock for them. They all experienced this. I mean, they knew that God is real. It says they, they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them their bodies scattered over the desert. And you go, whew, glad we're in the New Testament. Uh-uh. All, all they did 
was reap the natural outcome of their path. That's it. If you continue down, your path determines your destination. If you continue down the path and your marriage is rocky and things aren't going and you continue down, your marriage will fail unless you do something. The prudent see danger and take refuge. They do something. The naive, the simple, just keep going and suffer for it. So he says, now watch. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. It's, they're set as examples of, man, if you don't follow God's ways, there are, outcome, there are consequences for it. But I thought God was loving and gracious. He'll always take you back. But it's like sticking your hand in a combine. Yeah, I mean, you might not die, but you spend the rest of your time without a hand. It's gone. I mean, great, but your hand's gone. Okay, so he goes on. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked because I didn't know actually where I was going with that. I didn't have that example for service, and then I'm like, stick your hand in a combine. That's disgusting. Okay, <laughs> now I'm back. Okay, now, these things occurred as examples to keep them from setting their hearts on evil things <laughs> as they did. Now watch. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Again, you go, glad we're in New Testament, verse 11. These things happen to them as examples of what happens when you follow that path. And we say, well, we don't make idols now. We certainly have them. And so we look, and we, basically Paul's saying, guys, it's the same God. Don't test him. Don't try to have, bring him in on your path. Find out where his path is. These things happen as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages have come. In other words, <laughs> every generation can say this. We're it right now. I mean, all of history, all of people throughout all the thousands of years and right here for now. We have all that to learn from. Paul's going, don't make the same mistakes they did. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Now watch this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The temptation isn't going away. Men, if you're attracted to pretty ladies, I have news for you. It's not going away. You can't pray it away. And so you will get to a crossroads of a mouse click. You will get to a crossroads of taking a second glance. You will come to a crossroads. The temptation is not going away, but God will provide a path, a righteous path. Psalm 23.3 says, he guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's the temptation. Ladies, whatever your temptation is, I don't even know. But uh, 
there's going to come a time when you're going to want to open your mouth, where you're going to want to say something, where you're going to want to do something. You're going to try to take control. You're going to do whatever, whatever the thing is you guys talk about in your accountability groups, right? And God's going to say, okay, here's your path. Here, you have the choice to take it. You say, well, it's just, I'm just going to say one little thing. You've chosen the wrong path. It's not just a statement. It's not just a word. It's not just if you would just, if only you would, it's not that. It's a path. And, 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 and that's why in Jeremiah it says, stand at the crossroads and look. If I just hit on that thing and my mouth is just running or I'm just spending or I'm just kind of doing what I normally do, I'm going to miss the way out that God has promised in his word that he's going to provide. And then we end up on the path and we go, oh God, please help me. Please save me. Please, please. I, oh, this looks scary up there. And he's like, you're on the wrong picking path. Get off and go join this path of righteousness. I will guide you through there. It's going to have, Jesus said, every day has enough trouble of its own, right? That's going to be hard enough for you. But I will not guide you in a path to destruction. The only thing you'll hear from me is get off that path. And when you do, I will accept you back and we will start in. That's what grace is all about. So he says, no temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And then he just says this last statement in verse 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Get, get off that path. Get off that destructive behavior. Go, go find, find God's way. And one of the ways we do that is we look at people who've made it to the destination we want to make it. Their marriage is the marriage we want. Their spiritual life is the spiritual life we want. Tim Ellis one time told me to get my workout routine, which right now is uh, to lift a, this big plastic thing of pretzels. Um, <laughs> but back in the day when I actually went to the gym... He said, find the person who's the most ripped and has the body that you want and just copy what they do. Now, I did, and that was way too hard. So I didn't do that anymore. My point is, this is where we get to all the time. How did you get a good marriage? Oh, man, well, let me tell you. We went through this time in our marriage where it was, oh, I just stuck it out. It, it was three years Oh, was there another? No, that was it. That was our righteous path. Hey, how do you, how do you, how are you so close to God? I get up every morning. I get into his word. Oh, what time? Six? Oh. What about doing it? Sure, you can do that too. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like find, find the path. Stand at the crossroad. Ask for the ancient way. And then, this is the hardest thing, walk in it day after day after day see some some people right now i know exactly how you're feeling god has spoken to you you know you're on the wrong path and it feels actually kind of good you're like you know what god you're right you're right i'm not gonna do that anymore that you you've identified i now know this is the wrong path identifying the wrong path doesn't do you any good You've got to turn around. That's what confession is all about. It's saying, yes, I'm lost, and now I'm turning around, and I'm making changes. For your marriage, for your finances, changes have to come. 
You can't continue doing what you're doing. I can't continue doing what I'm doing and expect to get different results. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about. It's exactly what Jeremiah is talking about. It's exactly what Solomon is talking about. And it's exactly what David is talking about when he says, he will guide you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because you know what? It's all for his glory. He will not bless our path. He will bless us in his path. 